Chapter 31 Saturday, September 21st through Sunday, September 22nd, 1776 The fire raged with inconceivable violence and in its destructive progress swept away all the buildings between Broad Street and the North River. Several women and children perished in the fire. Their shrieks joined to the roaring of the flames, the crash of falling houses, and the widespread ruin which everywhere appeared formed a scene of horror great beyond description, and which was still heightened by the darkness of the night. New York Mercury Newspaper I awoke coughing so hard I near brought up my supper. When I finally caught my breath, I smelled the smoke and saw the light, bright as day, outside my window, and jumped from the bed and peered out. It was not morning. It was an inferno. Flames curled out of all the windows next door. The rooftop beyond that was a lake of fire. Every building in sight was burning. The air was filled with crackling and popping sounds with shrieks and screams coming from the street below. A hot gust of wind blew the curtains back and sent the fire straight at me. Fiery shingles floated from the roof and caught in the branches of the tree outside my window, setting the dark the bark ablaze. A burning leaf drifted to the sill. I quickly brushed it off, my hands quivering. Get out! Seized again by coughing, I fell to the ground where the smoke was not so heavy. I pulled my shoes toward me and quickly buckled them on, then took a deep breath, rose to my feet, grabbed Ruth's doll off my bed, and opened the door. Smoke filled the hall curling down from the ceiling along with the fingers of fire. Get out now! I clattered down the stairs, screaming, Fire! Fire! The door to Lady Seymour's bedchamber was just opening. As I went to pass by, she grabbed my arm. Quick, child, she cried. Help me! Her chamber was even brighter than the attic, but the windows were closed and the smoke thinner. She spent... She bent over an enormous trunk by the wall. It contains my valuables. She pulled at a handle. Please, Isabel. I reached for the handle and tugged. The trunk did not move. It's too heavy, heavy ma'am. Leave it. The roof is afire. No. Wait. She flung open the top. The trunk was filled with the silver tea set, a small portrait of a yellow-haired man, something wrapped in velvet cloth, dusty sacks, small wooden boxes, and a packet of letters tied in a ribbon. There was another crash outside and screams. I grabbed her arm. We'll die if we stay. She pulled out the letters and two small boxes and thrust them at me along with the portrait. Take these. I stuck the portrait and letters in my pocket and balanced Ruth doll, Ruth's, doll, Ruth's doll on top of the boxes in my arms. The room was so hot, I thought the corn husks might explode into flames. Lady Seymour grabbed two of the sacks. The coins within clinked together as she rose to her feet, coughing. <coughs> Hurry, she gasped. The smoke in the hall was thicker than it had been moments before. We felt our way, one step at a time, to the staircase. I went down first, with the lady behind me, her frail hand on my shoulder. My eyes watered. My lungs felt like they were pulling in the flames. I thought for a moment we were trapped. 
The thick haze tricked my mind, and I knew not if we could, if we should proceed down or up. My ears filled with the crackle of burning wood. Help me! Lady Seymour cried. Her hand vanished. Ma'am! Ma'am! The smoke stopped at my throat. There was a thunderous crash overhead. A ceiling giving way or a piece of the roof collapsing. The old woman had crumpled to the stairs. Is she dead? I put my hand on her chest. Her heartbeat was light and fast as bird's wings beating against a cage. I put my face close to hers and screamed, Get up! She moaned once and tried to move her hand. I pulled her arm. She moaned again, but I could not be gentle. I dropped the boxes and doll, draped her arm around me, and half fell down the rest of the stairs. Once on the ground floor, she tried to walk, but one of her legs was failing her. I opened the front door and dragged the two of us out to the street. The air was a swirl with flame, soot, and burning shingles each caught in a devilish whirlwind. The cries and screams of men and women mixed with the terror of the horses burning alive in locked stables. Windows exploded. Beams crashed and trees split, their crowns ablaze like torches in the hand of a cruel giant. I felt the clothes on my back ready to ignite, the brand on my cheek scorched as if the fire within me called to the fire in the air. Move or die, whispered the flames. I dragged Lady Seymour north, then east, away from the course of the wind, which blew like a bellows and fanned the flames. British soldiers looted a burning house, running out with arms full of silver and forks and spoons sticking out of their pockets. A dog ran by, howling, its tail on fire. We passed a family, all in their nightclothes, throwing buckets of water against the wall of their house, as the fire chewed through the wood. A group of men had, had harnessed themselves to a fire wagon that held a large tank of water, but one of the wheels broke and it proved too heavy to drag. One more block and we could go no further. Lady Seymour and me collapsed in a heap on the edge of a graveyard. Time burned up while we lay there, caught in the sparks that flew overhead, swallowed by the noise of a city ablaze. When I finally came to my senses, I sat up, coughed at length, and breathed in slow. It hurt, but it would not be the death of me. Lady Seymour still lay beside me, shaking her head from side to side in the dirt and muttering. I bent my ear close to hear. The bells. Where are the bells? She asked. Had the fire ruined her mind? Why worry about bells? You're safe, ma'am. I said, patting her hand. She frowned. Why don't the bells ring alarm? Her words were garbled like she was talking underwater, but I finally understood. Every bell in every church steeple should have been ringing loud and fearsome, but they were all gone, melted and reformed into cannons. I stood up, Over the rooftops, I could see men pouring water on the flattish roof of St. Paul's. The buckets handed to them from a long line of people that stretched to a backyard pump. To the south, Trinity Church was not as lucky. Its tall steeple was a pyramid of fire, the flames licking the undersides of the clouds that scuttled above. 
What should we do, ma'am? I asked. Her tears turned black as they rolled through the soot on her face. Her left arm and leg lay limp as if some cog within her had snapped. She did not make a sound. Twas up to me to make the decisions. Come, I helped her to sit. We need to make our way to safety. I stood to her left, draped the useless arm over my neck, and held her body tight to mine. In that manner, step by slow step, we staggered on. We passed countless people standing in the streets like statues, their toes bare on the stones, night clothes blowing in the unnatural breeze, mouths agape. Carts rolled by carrying half-naked people, bleeding and dazed. A collection of charred bodies had been stacked on a corner, not fully covered by a blanket. A child's boot and stocking lay in the gutter, next to an overturned rain barrel. Step by slow step, we made our way to Wall Street, then down to the seventh house on the left. She was near insensible by the time we reached it. In truth, I pinched her as hard as I could. It roused her some, and she lifted her working leg. Thus we mounted the steps of the Lockton house and entered the front door.